Women in Leadership brought to you by Heron Code, the management consultancy for what happens next. For more information, you can visit heroncode.com. In this podcast, we will be talking to female leaders of today to inspire the leaders of tomorrow. Ghislan Ganez is a serial entrepreneur, community builder, and digital creator. Originally from Algeria, but living most of her life in Dubai and the Middle East. She's incredibly passionate about women advancement, building engaged communities, and using technology as a vehicle for change and growth. She's the founder of The Modis, which is the first global luxury e-commerce platform. She's also the founder of F-Force, which is an edtech platform, and the co-founder of Queen Mode Labs, a digital fashion house. I was one of those people who actually didn't know what I wanted to do. The interesting thing with a lot of businesses is that you're working so much prior to launching and you're already kind of at capacity. And then when you launch, the real work starts. Yeah. And it's all around, you know, supporting these women, them supporting and exploring opportunities with one another. And it's become a little bit of the equalizer of the boys club. You can only do your best. And that's what I did. I did everything that I could. Women in Leadership brought to you by Heron Code. Please welcome to the Heron Code podcast, Ghislaine Ganez. Welcome. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. Oh, I'm so excited to finally Me do this. Too. I've known you for a while now mm -hmm. and I mentioned this to you off air that I I've kind of known the idea of your journey professionally and you've been doing this for a long time, I think it's fair to say. Yes. Um, so my first question to you is how are things right now? How are you feeling and um, what's been going on? Gosh, right now I'm feeling good. Mm -hmm. um, things have been stressful, mm -hmm. very busy and hectic, so much going on, but that's the nature of startup. Mm -hmm. So you kind of learn to, you know, work with that stress and with that, um, you know, pace. Mm -hmm. But um, we've had some, you know, good progress and things are kind of settling a little bit. So I feel good today. Mm. Well, you know, it's so interesting because I feel like in order to understand where you are now, it's really important for us and the listeners to know where it all started and, and where you, you've come from, really. Sure. Um, so let's take it back. I'm going to talk to you about your origins and, you know, how it all started, What was the dream for you when you were younger? What did you want to be when you were a little girl? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be a performer. Really? You caught me off guard with the question. <laughs> yes. You know, there is a very famous Arab celebrity. She's Egyptian. Her name is Sherry Han. She's a legend. Mm -hmm. um, she doesn't perform anymore, but back in the 80s, And she was incredible. She still is a legend. Mm. And I remember growing out and seeing her um, programs and performances. And she was my dream. Like, wow. I just wanted to be her. Mm. Yeah. But, you know, you grow up yeah. and then things happen. Mm. And uh, yeah, things changed. Mm. And what was what was it like at home? Because to be a performer, you know, especially within certain cultures as well. Tell me what, what was the dynamic at home? Uh, were your parents and your family always supportive of what you wanted to be and become? Oh, it's not something that I pursued mm. at all. I mean, I was very, very young. I'm talking yeah. I was seven, six years old. Mm -hmm. So it was just a fun thing. Mm. But it's, you know, I think it's less about the 
the fact that she was a performer mm. and more about seeing someone that you connect with and relate to. Mm. And this is why I've always felt afterwards that with young girls, it's so important for them to see women who they can relate to, whether it's the way they look or where they are from or their languages, mm -hmm. doing certain things that excite them because mm -hmm. that's the only way that you can actually start dreaming. Because yeah. as a child, you need to relate, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's more that with her than actually me wanting to be a performer yeah but growing up was um different but beautiful i was brought up by my uh, grandmother mm -hmm. my maternal grandmother my mother and my father um uh, split when i was very young mm -hmm. and my mom uh, traveled to pursue her education my father was in politics he was very busy i grew up in a, a very loving home and mm -hmm. my grandmother was incredible um and i grew up in algeria up until the age of nine Wow. 10 years old mm -hmm. and then I left and only went back once so mm -hmm. there's a lot of nostalgia there's a lot of uh, longing to reconnect mm -hmm. with my country but I've been away for a very very long time mm -hmm. so yeah. I, and let's talk about that because you actually I believe embarked on this kind of business mind entrepreneurial uh, sense from a very young age you, you you studied in London I believe is that right at Correct. London School University. of Economics yes um, how was that for you going to London living there completely different culture lifestyle what was going through your mind so the interesting thing is that it wasn't it wasn't me going to university in a very traditional way because After leaving Algeria, I moved to the Middle East to mm -hmm. live with my mom and my stepdad. Uh, studied, actually finished high school in Lebanon. My stepfather is Lebanese mm -hmm. or was Lebanese. Um, and uh, then came back to Dubai. I couldn't go to university immediately. I had to find a job. So I started working. And then it was only a few years later when I was, when I was able to put myself through university that I registered to the LSE and I was going back and forth. So I didn't have the full student mm. experience. Um, nevertheless, it was something I wanted to do. And, you know, in hindsight, um, you know, having done it later um, in life uh, just meant that it was something I really wanted as mm -hmm. opposed to ticking a box. Mm. Yeah. How did you know what path you wanted to go down in terms of the degree that you chose? You know, because I always feel like at that age, there's so much pressure to choose. You feel like, okay, whatever I do now, I'm going to have to do for the rest of my life, yeah. which isn't the case at all. Uh, so what was your thought process behind that? I was one of those people who actually didn't know what I wanted to do because mm. at that point I was working in the investment space and it was a space that I landed in and it was amazing for me because I was in a business that was growing really fast and so I grew with it. Mm. Um, it was a lot of work but it was also rewarding uh, for me and for my career but it wasn't where I wanted to be forever. Mm. What excited me was not necessarily the industry and the work it was the growth and being able to deliver and the pace and mm. you know being ambitious and being able to like Put, channel that energy mm. into what I was doing. Um, and so I didn't actually um, know what I wanted to do. So I didn't specialize. I just did the generic thing, which is business and economics. Mm -hmm. It's funny enough, I was talking to um, one of our team members today and she's pretty young and she's like, I'm still trying to discover. And I'm like, you know, you have to try things all the time. It's only by trying things and whether you like them or you hate them, it's both beneficial because mm -hmm. you know what you don't want and then you 
you know you start you're um, uh, going more towards what you what mm-hmm. you love mm. but it's an ongoing journey mm. yeah. and what i'm going to put you on the spot now but were there any things that you did or any job roles or any industries that you tried that you were like absolutely not for me industry the finance industry was absolutely not for me mm. it wasn't but i i'm someone who thrives at um um at in challenging uh challenging environments this is why startup is also my thing mm-hmm. um so anything that is you know that that really pushes me beyond my comfort zone i complain about it so much but that's where i thrive that's where i actually perform the best mm. but as an industry it really wasn't for me i it wasn't my cup of tea at mm. all um but having moved then to um the space of fashion and the space of more building communities and connecting with women more and exploring that space that's where i started aligning my passion with you know the things that i love doing and and putting that together into what is now my evolving career path if mm. you will yeah absolutely and where where did that come from this this need this passion this want to be a community builder did that start quite young i don't know i mean i've always been It's always been easy for me to connect to people. I think that that's something that I've uh, I've always had in me, um increasingly so, but it's very easy for me to connect with someone and to build a relationship. I'm very selective, but it's easy for me to connect with people and also I'm someone with a high degree of empathy and that helps as well. Uh, I think it first started with the modest because that was so so there were these qualities in me but with the modest it was the first time that I kind of put it into into action and when I built that business with the rest of the team there was a lot of there were a lot of values in that business it really stood for a lot and when you create something with values and there's authenticity you start seeing people gravitate towards it with a lot of soul and with a lot of heart and that was the start of me starting to understand the real meaning of community the real meaning of bringing people together who love your brand because of its values as opposed to your just marketing mm-hmm. and and acquiring mm. customers and i feel like a lot of businesses and now catching on to that especially since the pandemic mm. and i i do want to talk about the modus because it was phenomenal uh when it first launched i mean it was making waves in the industry uh tell me cuz i mean you really have to see a a gap in the market mm-hmm. for something like this i also feel like these kind of brands or companies stem from your personal want for something like this in the Correct. market so is that how it started for you yeah yeah it is so having worked in the finance industry for such a long time and always having loved fashion it was always a tricky one to kind of you know be conservative but also not be in that dark suit every day mm. um so i've always found it frustrating to shop for modest pieces that were also on trend and um my mom wears the hijab so i've also seen her experience i've seen things through her lens and uh, yeah that's how the idea started it started actually with me just joking around with the family saying i'm going to start a shop so we can all like just go there and shop for what we what we need mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then it became this real piece of research i was getting to a point i had spent 15 years in private equity 
And at that stage, I was getting to a point where I felt like I've done everything that I can in this space and it's time for me to move. Mm. And so I started on the side re uh, researching the space, understanding it, building what I wanted it to be in the vision. And that's what culminated in, in The Modest. Mm, yeah. Wow. And, and we spoke about it um, off air. I mean, it it really blew up. Uh, yeah. initially so how was that process because you know you don't have expectations when you've you've started your own business you don't really know where it's going they always tell you oh you know the fi first five years are the toughest which they are mm. so only expect success and profit so to say after the five years where where was your head at after the launch of the modest it feels like a whirlwind because from obviously you the interesting thing with a lot of businesses is that you're working so much prior to launching mm. and you're already kind of at capacity and then when you launch the real work starts yeah. because you're live so that journey was so fast paced but the resonance that we received from the time we launched onwards was incredible it was a combination of so many different things it was done really well mm -hmm. so and when it, when I say it was done well modesty was so stereotyped and it was done executed and showcased in a certain way that did not give this woman and this space and genre the what it deserves in terms of fashion positioning mm. so this woman was always stereotyped as dowdy or you know she wants to take the modesty box because she wears the hijab or because of faith or whatever that may be but the fashion aspect came second and so when we launched the modest and it was around modest fashion in the luxury space it was about fashion. I mean, it was fashion first and mm -hmm. modesty was yeah, that by virtue of being a modest mm -hmm. platform, we needed to do that, but it couldn't compromise on fashion. So everything was done in a way that made this particular woman go, finally, there's a place that represents me in a cool way mm -hmm. and gets me mm -hmm. and I feel good about it. Mm -hmm. And also at that point, a lot of what was shown around modesty, like a hijabi woman would be on CNN talking about terrorism and radicalism. Mm -hmm. So it was a different outlet. So, so a lot of things that happened led to that resonance and beautiful... Um, response from everyone and the build of the community but also truly within the company we were full of love for what we were doing I mean the team actually really um, you know put that modest woman mm. uh, on a pedestal and everything that was done was done with her in mind mm. and how important was that team selection for you because you know that matters that's the culture that's the totally. essence of the brand and the company how conscious were you of that when you were building your team very very and I had you know it's um I had an amazing team um and uh yeah it was very important for me to select the right people the first few people that you hire in a startup can make or break it mm. right um so yeah very talented people that we had at the time um the the culture Culture also, and I think <clears throat> when you build a business that has a lot of purpose, that is authentic and not pushed, um, there's something that happens around your employees and your team where they really connect to it, mm. and it just gives them that much more drive to to push and create mm. a, a loved brand. Mm. And, and during any uh, for any business owner, a startup is a, a really intense time for yeah. them, uh, you know, personally and professionally. But personally, for you, were you looking after yourself? How was that? 
work-life balance going at the beginning? There was none. It mm. was it was terrible. <clears throat> I've got this um, this course now, and one of the I I spent two out of seven modules talking about these things mm. about you know just trying to not completely uh, neglect yourself, your health, your identity sometimes when you start a business because it's so easy for that to happen. And I completely neglected that. So mm-hmm. for the Modest was up and running for three years and was in the buildup for a year. So for four years, I was nonstop um, to the point where at a certain uh, point in time where it got really stressful towards the, the end, I mean, I gained a lot of weight. I didn't take any days off throughout the time. It wasn't healthy. Mm. It wasn't healthy. If yeah. you could go back, what would you do differently? So many things. Really? I could write a book. I might write a book. <laughs> one day. You'll I have might, to. Yeah. One, of, one of the ways to reconcile with what happened to the modest was actually sitting and taking stock and putting down the learnings um, because you learn every day. Like the, mm. the most amazing thing about going through challenging experiences is the person you become mm-hmm. afterwards. And that's why I talk about failure with um, with no stigma mm-hmm. in my head because you, you can't grow as a human being in life if you don't experience failures. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And and you did get to a point with the modest where you had to make a decision in terms of moving forward, continuing and not. Can you talk me through that time in your life and, and what was going on? Yeah, it was it was a challenging uh, period. We were uh, raising funds. The business was growing quite a bit and was loved. But as is the case with many startups, you're not profitable. So you can't sustain yourself and you go through rounds of funding. And we were doing that, but it was a challenging climate. And then we landed up securing the funding. However, it happened right at the beginning of COVID mm-hmm. and um, our investor got impacted mm-hmm. uh, by by COVID uh, and uh, they had to pull out still have a great relationship with them but those were the circumstances and at that point we couldn't continue like Mm -hmm. the operations were heavy in terms of the cost so yeah so we had to I had to very very publicly shut a business that was so loved so you know you have to deal with your own you know feelings and emotions uh, and you also have to deal with the response of everyone Mm -hmm. which to be fair I have to say was incredible uh, for the modest, I mean, the the way that that community responded and people and the love and the support mm. was amazing. Mm. But yeah, it's it was it was public. Personally, for you, naturally as a human, you feel I failed. I, I haven't done this right. Oh, I should have done this. There's so many things going through your head at that time. So you had a moment with yourself, I'm sure. How did you get back up and redirect? Yeah, it was a it was a couple of things actually. I always say this to, you know, when when I have conversations with people going through it is that you can only do what you can do, right? Like you can only do your best and that's what I did. I did everything that I could. So when I put my head on a pillow at the end of the day, I felt consciously uh, at peace, mm. knowing that I left no stone unturned to save that business. But also I'm someone who has this unwavering belief that everything happens for a reason and so if I've given something my all and it didn't materialize then there's something different better it's just not my path right Mm -hmm. but it was there for a reason so it's not a waste of time right like it it 
did something in my life. Um, this is this is one thing. Of course, it's not as easy as this. There's a lot of emotions and there is, you know, you've got to own your feelings and you've got that mourning period mm. of what you had, you know, spent three, four years doing and a, a, a business that closed for the wrong reasons, right? Mm. The other thing which came completely organically is that my attention completely shifted from worrying about myself to worrying about others. Because when I closed the modest, I started getting bombarded by messages from especially women who have businesses saying, we were so inspired by the modest and now we don't know, like we feel so insecure and scared that our businesses are going to fail. It was the beginning of COVID. And so at that point, I started actually spending a lot of time on Zoom, mentoring, advising, supporting women. And it taught me this amazing lesson of, you know, when you're extremely scared or extremely emotional, whatever that may be, the minute you shift your attention to the other, to someone else, to help someone else, it just changes everything. Mm. You're no longer focused on those emotions. Mm. So it's... Um, that that's what happened. That's it's, what it's kind of like a full circle moment because the community that you had built actually ended up coming around and yes. helping you. Yes, uh, which is just so beautiful. And mm. who was your support system though during these tough times professionally? My my family. Mm. I'm uh, we're we're a very close knit family. Uh, my mom, my my brothers at the time. I had uh, a couple of, I have two very, very close friends. So it was like a very, very small circle, mm. but a super solid support system. Mm. Yeah. So you went on to mentoring, helping the community that you had built. What happened after that? Because now the pandemic's with us. We're all terrified. We don't know where it's going. We don't yeah. know where it's going to end. You being who you are and having, I'm sure, so many ideas in your in your mind where did you shift to? Where did you think you had to go next? Yeah. So um, it was a few months of, uh, you know, just trying to kind of move forward. But also, you know, this is this is what they don't tell you when you want to start a business is that if you fail or if you close a business, it's not done. You need to like go through a lot of work to clean up and to unwind the business so you you don't even have this space to kind of just sit in a in your bedroom and lock yourself in and just mm. cry a little bit you need to continue to work so um so I did that a little bit for a few months but I had stayed in touch with I stayed in touch with a few of my team members but one in particular um uh, was someone who had joined me in the last eight months of the business. And um, I had uh, brought her in to be a chief commercial officer, but very soon uh, was clear that she would be the right, my, my right hand person, mm -hmm. like my person in that business. I was even happy to kind of let her run the business. Um, and uh, during those eight months, what she had done in terms of support, both business-wise and just personally seeing how um, true she was to just trying to to uh, save the business was incredible. I mean, it showed me the kind of person that she uh, is. And so we stayed in touch and uh, we decided, you know, if we are going to do anything else, let's do it together because our skills are super complementary and our values are super aligned. Mm. Um, and that's exactly what happened. We stayed in touch. We had a couple of ideas and then we thought, well, the community is there and the market is still open. So why don't we work again on it? And we built that business plan. We raised funds on it, but 
it took a life of its own mm -hmm. and it shifted us from, you know, traditional fashion into digital fashion, which is where we are today. Mm -hmm. So so that's that was the journey. We basically took the modest back, but gave it a new life in in this new space of digital fashion. Mm -hmm. Queen Mode Labs. Mm -hmm. So tell me more about this digital fashion house. Uh, it sounds you, we've spoken about this before. It sounds a lot more complicated than it actually is, yes, right? Yes, it is complicated. Oh, it is. Okay, <laughs> break it down for me. Yeah, I'll I'll take you a little bit through the journey before we go through um, Queen Mode Labs. So, the way it started, so everything we do actually happens organically. We don't just think, oh, there's a great opportunity." Yes, of course, you consider that, mm -hmm. but it just so happened that we got into this space in an organic way. With Queen Mode, we started with an NFT collection. But the idea was that we it's that community that mm -hmm. I've spoken about. It was there and we wanted to connect with them beyond just social media because of the way they responded to the closure of the modus. Mm -hmm. So the NFTs at the time were a vehicle for us to actually bring that community even closer to us, but also give them something back mm -hmm. beyond just you're building my brand, I'm benefiting commercially, and then, you know, you're just getting... I don't know, some great content, which mm -hmm. is not a bad thing, but we wanted to take it to the next level. So we launched Queen Mode NFTs. We brought that community. They bought into the NFT um, uh, NFT community or mm -hmm. NFT uh, setup. And uh, but it was utility. So, you know, there's you get that NFT and you have access for a lifetime to utility that until today is ongoing. Mm. And uh, and yeah, that's that's how it started. And it was very successful. It still is. We still have, you know, a lot going on, a full-fledged program with, with our community members. And from there was that digital fashion aspect mm -hmm. of how do we... How do we uh, look into that space? How can we connect the younger generation, Gen Z, the young millennials, to retailers and to brands who are not speaking to them in a relevant way? And how can we use digital fashion, which is where these you know, groups, these, this demographic is, they are in metaverses and in gaming and on social media and their digital identity is even more important than their real identity, their mm. physical one, and they're consuming digital fashion. How can we create experiences that are relevant to them and connect them to you know, to mm. these brands and retailers. But see, what you did was you moved with the times. You yes. understood how the world was evolving and changing at such a fast pace. How important is it for businesses and companies, startup or not, to be so aware of their surroundings and the community and how society is changing? Yeah, it's 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 your survival. Mm. It's your survival. It's not... Uh, you know, nothing stands still. Everything is moving. And especially with the technology now, we've never moved faster than mm -hmm. we're moving right now in terms of how life is evolving. Yeah. And with that change, our our behavior as consumers is changing. One day we're on a desktop, the next day we're on a phone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in five years we probably, or three years, we probably just have a lens or something. Mm -hmm. So everything changes and you need to, it's not about moving from one industry to the other, but it's, it's around understanding the customer you're serving, whoever mm -hmm. that is, and evolving with them. Mm. And so now what what is your hope for Queen Mode? And where, where do you hope that it's going in the space that it's going in the next, say, five 
five years. So for 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 the community, mm. we want to grow it, mm. uh, but we want to continue to keep that connection because the kind of relationships and stories that are coming out of that network of women is incredible. They are doing business together. They are friends that meet outside of us. It's beyond beyond what we built, mm. um, and and we've got a lot in plan on what we were going to do with them. And it's all around you know supporting these women them supporting and exploring opportunities with one another and it's become a little bit of the equalizer of the boys club mm-hmm. because as women it's it's not easy for us to network it's not as available mm-hmm. uh, as as men and so that's what they've built out of what we've got on the digital fashion side we want to be uh, leaders in the digital fashion wearables gaming skins in the region mm-hmm. um The opportunity is global, but we know that we understand the culture mm. and we want to, you know, localize and create relevant experiences mm. here. Well, I have no idea how you're going to find time because also this year, an amazing news. Congratulations. You are back with the Modest, Thank which you. is just it must be such a moment for you to be able to, as you said, you have to publicly announce, you know, the closing of the Modest and now to publicly announce that you are back. How did that feel for you? I mean, it felt amazing. And Queen Mode now is the evolution mm. of the modest yeah. so you know it it felt great and it felt great to you know bring it back to its community albeit in a different format in a different uh, shape mm. um but yeah it's you know whether it came back or not it was i always say that you start from a launch pad when you have an experience like that you don't start from zero mm-hmm. you don't go back to you know from scratch mm. so It was it was validating to kind of, you know, put yeah. it back out there. So now when you look back to to the journey and now the evolution of of the whole process, what would you say was the biggest lesson you learned? In the startup space, yes. like overall? Mm. Oh my God, the biggest lesson. I know, it's a, it's a very loaded question because I'm sure there's just so many layers to it as yeah. well. I'll tell you what the biggest lesson for me personally is. And it's, uh, I, I'm going to sound a little bit like a... Um, an idealist mm. uh, but but I'm I try all the time so I'm still learning to do this but the importance of enjoying the journey versus just trying to get to the end game mm. I think it's a life lesson and a work lesson but if you don't enjoy every part you know at the beginning you were talking about celebrating small wins mm-hmm. and you know acknowledging and verbalizing mm-hmm. these things are so important because it It's so easy to lose track of time and of what you are doing and achieving during that journey when you're just focused on the end goal. And then at some point, one of two things happen. Either you reach the goal, but you will have missed so much in the process and it could be like a whole chunk of your life and your family's life Mm -hmm. and, and all of that. And on the other hand, you could not achieve that goal. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, you feel like that was all a waste. So I think enjoying the journey, you know, celebrating little wins, mm. finding a little bit of balance in the process is important. Uh, and we we spoke about it a bit earlier, you know, who you've become now, there must be so much responsibility on your shoulders. Uh, you're, you're carrying a community with you. You're carrying women who have their own stories. Uh, you have such a great following on social media as well. You're an inspiration to so many. Do you, you. ever stop to acknowledge that I think sometimes we forget because we're just on the go we're autopilot does it ever 
hit you that, oh, wow, I'm actually, you know, what I say, I need to be very careful of what I say, what I'm doing and the moves I'm making because people are watching and they're inspired by me. Not like that okay. <laughs> at all. I think that um, I think that all of us, you know, it, it's it's just human nature. You know, you're you're constantly looking at where you you know you want to go. Mm. But what I do is I'm authentic. Mm. You know, um, I'm authentic. So if I'm doing something off, it's off as a person. I'm mm. not trying to be a certain image because I've got a following. Um, if you see something you don't like, it's a flaw in me. Yeah. Or it's maybe something that you don't like, but I, I'm embracing. Mm. So being authentic is, is you know, my uh, MO. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it doesn't feel like pressure. Mm. And when I feel like I want to do something, and even when sometimes it hits me that, you know, this might get a reaction or something, I would still do it because... Mm-hmm. I just know that it's the 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 right thing that I do by myself and mm. you know it's it's what makes sense to me yeah it feels right so now moving forward there's so much uh that you I'm sure is so excited about in in all your ventures is there anything new popping up is there anything that we should be on the lookout for uh what what are you thinking for the next five years on a personal level for you mm. not professionally just personal what are we hope what are the hopes and dreams I mean, on the personal level, I just got married yeah. three months ago. Wow. And so to me, that is, you know, I mean, obviously building that relationship mm-hmm. and building our home and our life together, which is my priority mm-hmm. um, in life in general now. At a personal level, it's that. I think that also at a personal level, just continuing to grow mm-hmm. as a person um, it's something that just is is something I pursue all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I work uh, at it, mm-hmm. and I think that's it. Like it's simple, it's you know. Simple. Just just be just just have a good time and create good memories, and you know, be happy and mm-hmm. do simple things that bring you joy and fulfillment. It's yeah. not. Yeah. yeah, find time for yourself. Exactly. Get, make sure you're healthy and looking after your mental health as well. Absolutely. Um, so tell me the future of you as a entrepreneur. Um, I feel like, you know, by the time you hit 70 or 80, you're going to have so many brands and names under you. I your... better not be working at that, <laughs> at that point. Um, no, you know, the, the, the reality is that the different things happened, as I said, organically. So F-Force, mm-hmm. which is the online course, the start up course happened because I interacted with so many women and found that found that there's so much misconception and um, challenges in accessing information that are so similar across women. So mm. it made sense to just do that that course. But um, as an entrepreneur, I mean, I want to build a very successful, uh, sustainable business, mm-hmm. uh, a business that, you know, is financially very successful, but also in terms of its impact, mm-hmm. because, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's what we thrive for, right, mm-hmm. is to to succeed, but also to do something with that success is to create some uh, something. And down the line, I would love to be able uh, to be in the space of investing in, mm-hmm. in startups, especially female-led startups. Mm-hmm. It's something that I personally experienced, the challenge of getting access to funding. Mm-hmm. 
either because you don't understand the business because it's not a problem that relates to you as a man or whatever the reason mm. is but i would love one day to be able to to do that mm. well you've spoken it now so it's going to happen I know. it's out in the universe <laughs> i want to thank you so much for thank joining you, us Amy. for the heron code podcast it's been so great getting to know you even more thank so you. thank you once again and and good luck on everything that you're doing thank you thank you women in leadership brought to you by heron code